for 11 years in a row. Ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. Come on into my house, y'all. Happy to see you here. Come on in. At Rosie's house, we're always COVID-free. We're politics-free. We're campaign-free. We're worry-free. We're anxiety-free. The only thing contagious in my house are smiles and courage. So come on in. Love to have you. You can join the conversation by dialing one 767 We have an auto attendant that will pick up. When you hear the audio attendant pick up, just simply push one. And that will forward you straight into the call screening booth where my wife, sweet Jennifer, will pick up your call, get your name, your question, and where in the great state of Arizona you're calling from. And we'll put our 45 years of building and remodeling experience to work for you, talking about your favorite subject, you and your home. That's what we do here at Rosie on the House. I'm here this morning. Uh, Romy is on a little road trip, uh, picking up a horse and a daughter in California. (laughs) (laughs) In no particular order. Uh, One horse, one daughter. (laughs) And I've got Bruce Stumbo, uh, our uh, project manager from Rosie on the House Remodeling, here in studio with me this morning. And we wanted to talk about what we're seeing uh, by way of homeowners' demands and what they're thinking about doing. And our article on the uh, newsletter this week is all about things to consider in gaining space mm-hmm. in your existing home without growing the footprint. And, Bruce, y'all just recently did one of these at your own house. Yeah, we did. I uh I have a garage that faces northwestish, and uh, gosh, during the summertime, it's just unbearable in there. Um, so, we did uh, one thing you've been talking about for a while. Went out and picked up uh, a little mini split air conditioner, uh, heat pump actually, so I could heat yeah. the garage in the winter if I want to. But I that's probably not going to be needed. Yeah. But um, and gosh, it's getting that thing going it's such a difference um katie has just raved about being able to jump in her explorer back out and it's cool already there's no you know it's you know keeping the garage at about 80 degrees ish 80 something degrees depending on how hot it is and it's uh and i like to tinker around in the garage and before that was just unbearable. unbearable. So it's been it's been great, and it really is a it turns into a little extended space that I, I can actually use in the summer. So and and the kids, your mm-hmm. two daughters. Yep. I mean, uh, organized and stacked up and cleaned up right. Uh, I mean, it does become a place for parking a car. Yep. But you pull the car out, and it becomes another playroom. Yeah, it really. We've had uh, school room, craft yeah. room. The girls have one of those little hoverboards and they've uh they like to use the garage here and there to go rolling around and put their spinning little, around and put put their little exercise cones out yeah, and do a little yeah obstacle do a little, course do a little road course in there 
Well, I think now, have you had it on long enough to see what it's done to your summer cooling bill? Well, I haven't finished the uh, insulation yet. Okay. Uh, I've got the garage door insulated, but uh, as with many houses in Arizona, that attic wasn't insulated. So I've got to uh, get our get our uh, insulation contractor in there and get that insulated so I don't have a good sense yet on what it's going to do because it's it's basically having to run non-stop right now so well you're a better man than me if I had a 10 year old daughter I'd never call the insulation contractor <laughs> I'd say honey this is how you do it she's small enough she can get in there and crawl in all the corners yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I for about uh Two minutes, I thought about getting up there myself and throwing some bat insulation in, and then I quickly uh, got over my temporary insanity and got it on my list to uh, call a professional because it's hot up there right now. Well, I think we first, at, at Rosie Wright Remodeling, we first cooled garages in about the 90s, hmm. and we were simply uh, mounting a VAP coolers mm-hmm. uh, on the garages taking the edge off right you know? and it made the cars very happy all the hoses and the belts and the tires you know you were living in about 40 percent humidity right. at about 80 85 degrees and you know that's so much nicer than you know 12 degree humidity at 120 mm-hmm. degrees you know so we kind of caught on to that concept and started promoting it with all of our clients just think about it and then my air conditioning contractor in the late 90s, early 2000s, started jumping up and down saying, Rose, you got to quit telling people to put evap coolers on these garages and start air conditioning the garage. And boy, it took me about eight years to get convinced. I, yeah. thought, I thought, you know, there's a real cheap side of me <laughs> that once I put that air conditioner in there and I cool that room to the temperature I want, and then you lift that garage door. Yeah. The yeah. amount of cold air, That's hot air exchange, out. it seemed like it would be a never-ending battle. Yeah. But when they put a mini split on my garage, my electric bill went, my summer electric bill went down. It cost less to air condition my garage with a mini split than it does to run a VAP cooler 24 hours a day. Yeah, they are. They are very efficient. There's a number of reasons, but one very basic one is there's no ductwork. So you're not losing any of that cool air running through a bunch of ductwork up in your hot attic. It's just that refrigerant's going right to that head unit, that fan unit mounted on your wall. Um, so ductless systems like that are just, they're just inherently more efficient. Um, it It's a great way to do it. I have caught myself, though, that... That garage door doesn't stay open very long right now for me. No, no, no. Not not necessarily because of the cost of it. It's because uh, it can go from 80 degrees in there to about 96 degrees if you leave it open for more than a minute. Yeah, it will. It will. But I think if people would spend the money and the time to organize their garage, clear out the floor space, get it organized, even do an epoxy coating. On the slab, which will keep everything so much cleaner. Mm, easy to clean up. And then mount a mini split. It, it really becomes an overflow extra room for so many things. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the so many of us with uh, 
kids at home right now. You Absolutely. Know, that's one more spot that any arts and crafts and the glitter and the glue and the, all that sort of thing, you can keep it out from the inside of your house. And a garage is going to be something in the neighborhood of 300 to 400 square feet. And when people call us at Rosie Remodeling, Rosie Wright Remodeling, and ask us what an addition is, I mean, we tell them, you know, without a bathroom or without a kitchen, we can add square footage to your home to match your home so it doesn't look like an addition, but you're going to be nothing under $250 a square yeah. foot. And many we do are twice that, Yeah, four and $500 a square foot. People are typically shocked when they find out how much an addition, you know, it sounds so simple, yeah. you know, pour a little concrete, throw up a little framing, put a little siding up and bam, you got an addition, but uh, it's it per square foot. It's cheaper to build a brand new house on a dirt lot than it is oh per square foot. To, absolutely. I mean, it's just uh, it. People are surprised generally. It, it, but there's a lot that goes into an addition. You're having to tie into existing sewer, existing air conditioning, or bringing another air conditioner. Um, you know, the plumbing upgrade. Yeah, yeah, and a yeah. lot of a lot of folks who are wanting to do this are are because they're older homes. That's right. Um, and we go to some of these. Um, you know, say a 60s, 50s home, especially 50s home, you walk around the backside of the house, and if I see that 1950-something, you know, Zinsco yeah, or right. Federal Pacific panel, the first thing I have to tell people is, uh, we're going to have to upgrade that panel. We're we, gonna have to we've already spent a, a chunk of your money, and we haven't done anything fun yet. So, Well, and then all the cities with their upgraded uh, fire code, yeah. uh, I mean— if your house isn't up to code, now any permit you pull. Mm -hmm. It used to be if you pulled an electric, electric. permit, mm -hmm. they would make you upgrade your fire yeah, so that's, warning uh, system. Now, and we got even caught. Plumbing. Yeah. We got caught. Yeah. We, 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 we pulled a plumbing permit. We did. And, and luckily we us, noticed. They wanted us to upgrade all the pulled fire permits. Pulled a minimum plumbing permit, just doing some basic work, uh, changing out a shower in uh, a client's home. And we... When we pulled it, we noticed right on the bottom a little line that said the uh, house smoke detector and carbon monoxide system will be brought up to current new home construction standards. And brought up to current. Mm -hmm. so it's pretty extensive. It is, yeah. So the in general, what you have to do is add a arc fault circuit breaker protected circuit. So now you've got to have enough space in your panel, and it's got to be new enough that we can fit an arc fault in there. And then those smoke detectors, the preferred thing is that they're all hardwired. So now our electrician is climbing around in the attic, running wire everywhere. Uh, each bedroom has to have a smoke detector. The hallways um, outside the bedrooms, the smoke detector that's out there that you'll typically find in every house. But that one yeah. now has to be um, a combination carbon monoxide and smoke detector. And then somewhere near the entrance, if you have an attached garage, the closest most smoke detector to that has to also be a carbon monoxide. And we get a lot of people that say, well, I don't have natural gas. So if you have an attached garage, it doesn't matter. Now, now you have to have that carbon monoxide. And they're, they're strict about it. It's not one of those things that an inspector is going to look the other way on now. They're, they're, every municipality so far in the last two years that we've remodeled in, they're they're very serious about that. And they it are, is a safety they item. They are you know? very serious. So we we get it. It's just one of those things that, unfortunately, 
it's another one of those you got to spend some money on something that's not necessarily the fun part of a remodel. One of the reasons we're quoting the kind of square foot prices mm-hmm. we're quoting is because in that instance where we have to upgrade your electric panel and we have to upgrade the uh, smoke and fire alarm, uh, we've spent three to five thousand dollars. Yeah, at least. And and we haven't even started mm-hmm. on what you mm-hmm. want to get done. More on this topic of using the garage as great convertible space for you and your family. When we get back, right here at Rosie on the House. There we can lie beneath the shade, keeping cool with lemonade. There's a lot of work that should be done. But lazing around is so much fun. Yeah, so much fun here. At Rosie on the house. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you joining us here this morning where I'm talking with uh, Rosie Wright Remodeling uh, Project Manager Bruce Stumbo about the advantages of considering your garage as a great, inexpensive conversion for extra space. We can convert your garage to extra overflow space for a whole lot less then we can build you a room addition. It might be the right solution for you. A little insulation, a little electrical upgrade, a little mini split air conditioner, bada bing, bada boom. You've got now maybe as much as 400 square foot overflow storage. And the storage is going to be so much happier. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The cars are going to be happier. And your wife seems to be a lot happier. She is. She's... uh apparently been bragging to folks about how nice it is to pull the car out of the garage and the air conditioner's already cold and you know it doesn't take 10 minutes to get cool off and yeah she's and she's enjoying it yeah. my uh my f-150 is still out in the driveway yeah. but uh, you know that's what happens when you have a 1979 two-car garage what that really means is a one car one and a half uh-huh. <laughs> A car and a skateboard, uh-huh. or yeah. a hoverboard. Yeah. A car and a hoverboard. Hoverboard and a couple of bicycles. <laughs> there so. you go. Hey, let's go to a caller who's on hold right now. Katrina's calling from Levine, uh, and we'll get back to convertible space at your house right after this call. But we are a call-in radio show about your house. Join the conversation at one triple eight seven six seven forty three forty eight. Good morning, Miss Katrina. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. You bet. Let's see if we can help. Okay, so I'll try to make it as quickly as possible. So I have a 16-year-old house um, that I've lived in. I'm the original owner, and um, the original AC unit, four years ago, I had to replace it. Well, I did what I thought was replace it, but apparently he only replaced the stuff that was outside and not the stuff that was in the attic. Mm. So fast forward to about a month ago when we got those really first hot, high temperatures, and my AC unit was just running all the time. So it was working, but it was, I mean, it would run for three or four hours at a time. And then it would stop not heating or keeping temp. So, like, let's say I had it down, I was pre-cooling at 74. Well, around 1 o'clock, it would go up to 76 in the house. So it would show that it was running. But it was just still running, nonstop, just running. So I had an AC guy come out. He said, oh, you need some refrigerant. So he charged me $400 to put in some new refrigerant and, or Freon and some piece that was outside that he said it was going to go out. So we did that. Okay, great. Fast forward, it's still running nonstop. Well, then it died. Then it completely died. The blower went out and the circuit board. So he said, so then he came back. This was about a week ago. He replaced the circuit board and the blower upstairs. 
the circuit board was the original from 16 years ago. The blower was part of the new, the new, the second piece that was installed four years ago. So he, he replaced both of those pieces, and now it's working. But it's now it's, it's doing the same thing. It's just running all the time. So now he says that he needs to that it needs a new valve, a valve, a evaporative valve. And he says that to to do that, the process is to drain the unit. Originally, he said you could recapture the, the refrigerant, but now he says you cannot recapture the refrigerant because the filter needs to be changed. So he has to drain the unit, unit, lose all that Freon, and then fill it back up. And so now we're looking at another $1,000 fix. I just need to know, does this sound reasonable, or am I just throwing good money after bad at this point? Well, um, all of the things that broke sound like things that would typically break. My biggest question mark right now is if you're marrying an old system to a new system that was done four years ago, there's special considerations that have to be made. Let me just ask you one yes or no question. Is the air conditioning contractor Rosie certified? I don't know. I found him from a referral from a friend, so I don't. Okay. I, I, I don't. I doubt it. I, okay. don't, I don't know. Well, we may we may need to get a Rosie certified air conditioning contractor out there to give you a free second opinion and kind of analyze it. But Katrina, your air conditioner should definitely be running three or four hours right now. I would tell you what you need to do is get to an Ace Hardware store and pick up a little thermometer that you can put in your air conditioning register that's closest to the unit. And then buy a second little thermometer that you can put in the return air grill. Tell me what temperature is blowing out that register and what temperature is going back in the return. You ought to be blowing about 65 degree air out and about 82 degree air in keeping your house at about mid-70s, okay? And it can't do that unless it's running. And a unit running costs a lot less than a unit starting and stopping and starting and stopping. You hang on, because I'm going to get you a whole house energy audit and a free second opinion on your air conditioning system. But you got to hang on so we can finish getting your information right here. That's what we do at Rosie on the House. I wouldn't trade nothing for my Ford truck. Nothing. I tell you what, the Ford truck I drive right now, I actually went to Sanderson Ford. Going to pick me out a Mustang. I was done paying for weddings. I was done paying for college tuitions. Uh, Rosie's going to get a convertible Mustang. Yeah, baby. And the man I always deal with at Sanderson has been the same man for years. He said, well, Rosie, before you sign the paperwork on that Mustang, you've never driven a car that low to the ground. Why don't you take this Ford Raptor around the corner? So I did. That was the smartest thing. That was the smartest thing I ever did, man. I came back in. I said, bring this Mustang in back. Write me up. I'm, I'm this, me and this Raptor are leaving the lot today. I love my Raptor. I love my Ford trucks and I've been in Ford trucks for 30 years and they've all come from Sanderson Ford. Every one of them. 
Bruce was talking about his wife in the expedition. Explorer. Explorer. Mm-hmm. Sanderson Ford. It is. My mama's Ford is from Sanderson Ford. My other daughter's Ford is from Sanderson Ford. My wife's expedition is from Sanderson Ford. Romy's, uh, what's he got now, about oh, five God. pickup trucks? <laughs> he just got a new F-150 yeah, the other day. They're all from Sanderson Ford. The Look, last there's a lot. Yeah, last, last 2019. 2019, I yeah. should say, yeah. Uh, there's a reason. Me and my extended family only shop for vehicles at one place. It's because at Sanderson Ford, you really are treated like family. You buy there one time, and you'll never read another car dealer's ad again. There's just no reason to ever go anywhere else. Take my word for it. You'll be happy you did. You'll thank me. I've gotten many phone calls from many people saying, I drove from Yuma because I heard you recommend them. I drove from Flagstaff. I drove from Gold Canyon, and I'm glad I did. You will be, too. Shop your next vehicle at Sanderson Ford. Well, we're going to get back to our uh, creating more space without moving. So, um, I don't know. We want to talk about some bearing wall removal, Rosie? Is that? Uh... Well, you you just took out Miss Karen's. Yeah. Yeah. So um, very common, I shouldn't say common, popular thing right now to do is, you know, there's a lot of folks living in South Scottsdale, uh, kind of the central corridor in Phoenix. You know, you've got the, the uh, little red brick houses and almost all of them, you walk in through that front door and there's a big old wall right between that front living room area and the back either family room, kitchen area, kind of, you know, there's a little bit of variation there. But, you know, those are a, a traditionally framed roof structure. You know, they're not engineered trusses. So, And if you're lucky, it's not a sunken living room. If you're lucky, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, you know, 50s you don't see too much, but you get a little later and they that's start right. doing that. But, hey, we got a guy for that too. So Yeah, that's um, right. You know, so getting in there and, you know, a lot of people, because most of those are, you know, modest size homes, so they want to open that up. And gosh, it the difference that it makes is just huge. So um, that wall, though, you can't just go cutting it down and pulling things out. That That's the bearing wall for that house. That center line of the house is taking a lot of the roof load. So we've got to get in there and, and do it right. You know, it requires some engineering and posts and all that sort of thing. So The first thing we got to do is determine, are you load-bearing? Mm-hmm. And if you're built in the 60s, you're load-bearing. Yeah. If you're built in the 70s, you have about a 50-50 yeah. chance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you're built in the 80s, it's not low bearing. Yeah, it, it more than likely once you hit the 80s, it's an engineered truss that uh, it would be unusual for that wall to. I won't say impossible, but it would be unusual for that for a wall in the middle of the house. You know, to, unless it's a very large house. So, and when we were building these houses back in the 60s, you'd have your stem walls already poured and set. You'd have all your rebar uh, uh, set. You'd have all your ABC set and graded. And the concrete truck would be coming and backing up to the site. And so us laborers on the shovels would then chalk a line right down the center of the house. And we would merely just take a number two square nose shovel with a wheelbarrow and scoop out the whole trench, Mm -hmm. the length of that house. Mm -hmm. And that became the internal midpoint 
load-bearing wall on most of the houses. Occasionally, for the bigger spans, we had to excavate and do a, a footing and a spread footing and a, and, a, and a stem wall. But when we spread the load out along a wall, you have a stud, back in those days, every 16 inches. You stack your ceiling joists on top of the stud, and you're spreading the weight out along that whole wall. Now what we want to do is we want to nuke that wall. We want to wave our magic wand and make it go away. Well, we've got to do something to the ceiling and the roof to carry that weight. And we're going to do that by inserting a beam. Now, we can hang that beam down below the ceiling, which is a fairly easy little job to do. And then you put two posts on either side with reinforced footings and open that whole space up. I would say most of the time people pay the extra money mm-hmm. yeah. to bury the beam. Yeah, because these, you know, most of these houses that we're doing this in, they have eight foot ceilings. Right. So you don't want, and believe it or not, um, a lot of the specifications we're getting for these beams now, they're 18 inch tall beams. And so you're sticking that down off an eight foot ceiling if you don't bring it in the attic. And it's, uh, if you're, tall you've just created a forehead hazard so um yeah and it's a cleaner look we have occasionally um just stuck them at the the ceiling level but often that's a design thing maybe it's a part of a larger Mm -hmm. remodel um we did a beam that was kind of half and half halfway up in the up in the attic and halfway down um not too long ago for joe and Kristen. but that was a design um item because they were going mid-century modern with a whole house remodel. So there were some considerations there. But the vast majority of people um, are going to want that beam tucked up into the attic. So One continuous large ceiling from yep. the front door, front window, all the way back to that yep. patio slider door in the back. Sheetrock from the front door to the back door, you know, with, with no interruption up there. So it just creates a nice clean look. And one thing, too, a lot of time when people hear that we're putting posts they assume oh gosh now i'm going to have these posts in my living room we typically are able to hide that in one of the walls can't, you know off can't on the see side them either. yep you won't you don't even know that they're there so now what it is going to mean is when we take a linear load along that load bearing wall and convert it to two pinpoint loads on these posts we do have to reinforce that footing mm-hmm. So we're going to saw cut roughly about a four foot by four foot slab out of your, out of your concrete. We're going to dig a big deep hole. We're going to lay some rebar down there. We're going to pour concrete, build a little stem wall, pour it back up flush with your existing floor, and then we mount the new post to that. Mm-hmm. Now the dilemma is we've probably ruined any finished flooring. Oh you've yeah, got. <laughs> yeah. You're not bringing a saw cutter and then keeping your flooring, unfortunately. So that's a good time to have thought about if you want to upgrade the flooring in your house. It's absolutely the right time because you don't want to live with patched up concrete mm-hmm. slabs no. right there. But it's a it's a big part. But then you have the ceiling, one continuous plane from front to back. No obstructing vision walls. It's completely cleared out. And then new flooring. You will feel like you've moved into oh, a different yeah. home. That it, 
every client that we've done it for has basically said, like, I can't believe this is my house. Yeah. You know, would, um, one of the folks we did it for not too long ago, their, one of their adult daughters got home and commented on, like, I can't believe this is our house. You know, it, it just, it transforms that space from feeling small to suddenly this big, open, inviting you can see into the kitchen. You can, you know, it's just, it's that open space that most people are looking for these days. It changes your furniture layout. It changes your traffic patterns. It it really brings that 50s, 60s Arizona ranch home located wherever it is in Arizona right up into current standards. It's, oh, yeah. it's really a very common, and people always want to know, well, what's it going to cost me? Well, it kind of depends what's up in the attic at it this does. at Miss Karen's. Mm-hmm. We ran into a gas line yep. that was just kind of in the way. Yeah, and so it's uh, you know once again it's kind of that that snowball effect. You know, you right. started with one little thing, but now you've got to replumb some gas lines, and you may have some HVAC depending on the the type of ductwork that you have, especially if you got one of your old metal box ducts running right across there and. Um, you're going to have to do some work there. And, and once again, like we talked about earlier, you're going to be upgrading that smoke detector system unless you already have. So, um, which. And we never do. Well, I can't say never, but we hardly ever do this without upgrading the lighting. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, occasionally maybe someone's done the lighting already. Yeah. But gosh, what a great time to. Um, we're big fans of the, you know, we still call them recessed cans, but they're not really. The little, um, the LEDs that from the bottom sort of look like a recessed can, except for you don't have this big hole there anymore. They're just nice and flat with a really um, subtle trim ring. And, nice uh, light. Oh yeah, very really nice. nice light. And there's, we've been using a lot of them these days that uh, you can actually pick between the Kelvin rating, which most people are more familiar with. The you know you, when you go in the store, you see soft white or daylight right. or warm white or that's the Kelvin rating. And we have them now where you can pick. So if you don't know, like gosh, I don't know if I want it a little bit warmer or a little bit cooler. Well, we just set it on two or three different settings on a, on a couple of them we put on in the, the ceiling fi- in the fixture yep. itself yeah and then they just give them a day or two and then they'll say okay i want them all at you know four thousand i like i like that one better and we just click them all right over that's been a it, it's been nice and you know opening up that wall is going to give that feeling of more light anyway but get a little little led recess lighting up there and it it will really transform that space so and so people always wonder well what's that going to cost me well, from our experience of the jobs we've done, removing load-bearing wall, putting the beam up in the ceiling, truly hidden so you don't see anything. You don't see the posts. You don't see the beams. Depending on how much other extra work we do, but not counting the floor covering, mm. how much do we do in relocating plumbing? How much do we do in relocating even electrical lines? Many people take this opportunity and say, Get rid of all my seven-foot soffits. As mm-hmm. long as you're in here, mm-hmm. move all that ductwork up and give me eight-foot ceilings throughout. That's a very common request. Yeah. Depending on how many extra things we do, you can expect to spend. Go ahead and measure how much wall you want taken out. Well, you can multiply whatever that distance is by about $1,500 a foot up to $2,000 a foot. So if it's 12 feet 14 feet or 16 feet, 
Just multiply it times 1,500 or 2,000, and that's going to be the range, okay? It's a lot of money, but it is a new house, and it is half the price of adding additional square Mm -hmm. footage. That's our topic today. How do we get usable space in our existing footprint as cost-effectively as possible? The whole first part of the hour we were talking about, hey, your garage is the most underused 400 square foot in the whole house. Quit using it for a junk closet where all the junk you keep in there is just going to rot anyway. And let's clean it up, organize it, put a mini split on it, put an epoxy floor covering on it, get some cabinets and some good, nice storage unit on it, and boom, it's your extra room. Got a whole nother space now. That's right. Pull the cars out during the day, use it as a room all day, bring them back in at night. You're safe and you're secure. The cars are off the front driveway, out of the road, parked in a nice little comfortable spot. Next morning, your first errands at 10 o'clock in the morning. You left your windows down inside the garage. You hop in your car. It's in the high 70s. Roll up the car, start the car, turn the air conditioning on, raise the garage door, pull outside. You never even know it's 115 outside. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. It's, It'll spoil uh, you quick. It will. It will. It's uh, When you step out of your car to get in the stores, when you'll have your first shock, you know, especially over the last couple of weeks. So. All little tips about building versatile space in your existing home. I'm here this morning with Bruce Stumbo from Rosie Wright Remodeling in studio with me this morning. And we're here to take your phone calls as well. one 767 4348 Here this morning at Rosie on the House with our project manager from Rosie Wright Remodeling talking versatile space at your house. We've talked about just using the garage uh, with some minor modifications as a great overflow room. We've also talked about removing that load-bearing wall that's been dividing your house in half since it was built. One of the other things people do a lot is the carport to garage conversion. Mm. And people are always surprised. I seem to surprise people a lot about prices. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're good at that. They're, they're always surprised. A carport converted to a, ga- a garage done, Rosie Wright, done with a permit, done to code, isn't an easy conversion. No, there's a lot more into it than people realize. and You can't... Uh... You can't just, well, you shouldn't just slap up a couple of wood frame walls and stick a garage door on it and call it good. There's uh, When you go from a carport to a garage, there's a whole different standard with garages from electrical to fire safety. That's one thing that people don't realize is there's fire separation standards. You know, that, that entry door that was going into carport your, your, with the little Bel Air window in yeah, it. Yeah, that little window. Well... That doesn't work anymore. You're not allowed to have a window in a in a, a door going from a garage to inside the house. Um, we, I've even seen it in some interesting 
conversions where there was a door that went into a bedroom, which is that you can't have a door going from the garage directly into sleeping quarters. So um, you got to change out those doors. Uh, if there's a window in the wall, you know, a lot of a lot of our red brick homes had a window over the kitchen sink. Yep, licked into the um, carport. You, you've got a what a beautiful view for mom. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, if you got a nice nice car out there, you got that Mustang parked out there. Yeah. Um, so you know, you've got to you got to get that closed up now, um, and it's all got to be meeting that fire separation standards for a garage so that that's just one of the considerations and one of the considerations nobody ever thinks about is you step down into your carport you don't want to lay a wood plate at your carport level you Mm -hmm. actually have to build a masonry stem wall up to above or at least two finished floor grade of your floor of your home then start your fr- nobody does that no we i see so many carport conversions Done. where yeah. they're just that wood stud wall is down to that carport slab lever level and um you can see it every time there's water stains wood or rot. water damage termites termites love that um, oh and that's people say every, every time it rains water comes under that wall why why is this happening it's like, well it's because it's not up on a stem wall it's just you know it's uh, it's just coming right through there. So it, that's another one of the considerations. Another tricky one can be how low is that beam that's going across the front of that carport, carport for a vehicle door? Um, you can't just go chopping into that beam to, <laughs> to run, which we've seen. We, we've and seen it. it. Make, oh, gosh. Talk about your skin crawling. If I, if I could just... Cut out eight inches of this beam. Mm-hmm. I'd have room for an overhead door. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and you'll see it with, not to get too technical, but glue lamb beams, which people may be familiar with, which is basically a bunch of two-by-fours or two-by-sixes laminated together. You're not allowed to cut those. Not even it, touch them. Not, you can't touch that thing. Yeah. And, uh, gosh, it the stuff that uh, people do sometimes. <laughs> so there are three that we see at Rosie Wright Remodeling most often. Carport to garage conversions, it's a bigger job than you think, but it's still cheaper Mm -hmm. than building a freestanding garage, Mm -hmm. and it's still cheaper than a room addition. Getting rid of that load-bearing wall, separating your living room and family room, it's done right. It's more expensive than you think, but it's cheaper than putting on a room addition. And then that garage, insulating it putting some lights in there, epoxy coating the floor, doing a mini split. It's some money, but it's cheaper than room additions. So there's three great things to consider. And if you'd like a free analysis of what it might cost at your house to do any of these, call us at Rosie Wright Remodeling. We'd be happy to meet you. <laughs>